two months from today, March Madness. First round games, first first round weekend. So, you know, March two months away, but you, know, you, you look at it, it's kind of like the NBA playoff push. You know, this is the time of the year where you play good, you get hot. You could be seeing yourself in the tournament, which is about two months out from right now. And at least one of the 14 Conference USA teams are guaranteed a spot. There could be a second team, though. We'll have more on that as we go on. We may talk yeah. about potential teams or just team that may have an at-large bid pending uh, not winning the tournament to get in. But we'll start. And what we'll kind of do, this is our first uh, program back uh, for the spring semester here, and second. what we'll kind of do, well, second, second, first one in which we will first recap. First traditional program, yeah. Yeah, we'll recap uh, traditionally here the games that happened this past week after talking about them last week. So we'll break down Thursday, and then we'll collect Saturday, Sunday, Monday together. There was one game this past Sunday and Monday, so we'll kind of throw those in with the Saturday games. But, Justin, we'll start Thursday games. North Texas beat Marshall 69-65 to here in Huntington. Kind of thoughts on that one there. Well, the parts I got to see of the game, you know, th- you know, I think we've talked a lot about the Marshall shooting, which we'll talk a lot about in the Rice game because I think the the numbers it's more disproportionate in, in the ball game in, in the Rice game, to be honest with you, than it was Thursday night. Similar, similar thought, you know. I think we talk a lot about how Marshall's playing during this losing streak, and I do want to hit on that, but I want to hit that more with the Rice game. Usman. Phenomenal night, great. You know, I thought he was a good player up inside the post, but you know, this was one of those games. And I think I'll, I'll say this about Marshall. First game I thought in this losing streak, where they the first game and they were competitive Saturday night, but the first game of the six of the then five game losing streak where they actually looked competitive. They actually played a close game throughout the night, and they were even and they outscored North Texas in the second half, thirty eight to thirty four. So it was the first game they actually played a competitive game. Usman, 22, the forward. I, I thought we were going to see more of Thomas Bell and McBride from North Texas. We talked highly, you, you and you and Verzo talked highly of, the, of them last year on, on this program. I thought we were going to see more of them. Each, each of them racked up 10 points. And then Marshall, which we'll get to in a second. It, it's Darius George played phenomenal. I'll, I'll yeah. start off by saying that. Darius George had 12 at halftime. I thought he was going to go for his career high. Fell six points short at 18. But I want to save more of my opinion for Rice because – Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll make some thoughts on this game. And, and okay. first I'll start here with North Texas. Uh, good basketball team. And, and yeah. we knew going in Tyler Perry was their top scorer. He gets 12 points, six rebounds. Uh, didn't really do a whole lot throughout the majority of the game. Hit a big shot in the lane to give the Mean Green the lead and then hit a couple of free throws to put the game out of reach there with under 20 to 15 seconds left in that game. Uh, but one thing, and it stood out, and you mentioned Uzman having a good game, 22 points and 11 boards, but his ability to score now expands this North Texas yep. offense because we know those other guys, Jones, Murray, McBride, can all shoot the basketball. Bell is a good playmaker and kind of just does everything for that team. So now you add another dynamic and inside presence in Uzman. This creates really a nice dynamic now for the North Texas offense because they've got an interior score that maybe they can consistently go to because Usman going in hadn't really done much. I mean, his career in season high was 13 points, and he had that at halftime. So now you're talking about a guy that's going to have a lot of confidence uh, moving forward throughout the rest of this season and throughout the rest of his career. So I think it was more about North Texas, their ability – 
to get another score involved when some of their better playmakers weren't really there. They turned the ball over a lot 16 times. Marshall only turned it over seven times. So that's an interesting storyline, too, and just shows how poorly Marshall shot the basketball, too, because North Texas turns the ball over nine more times and only ends up with one less shot and shot better from the field in every category than Marshall. So that, that that's kind of why North Texas kind of won this game is because of their ability to play some defense, force tough shots, but also we've talked about Marshall's struggles in terms of shooting the basketball as being a big reason why uh, this team has not won since early December. But good signs, I think, in the Thursday loss, though, if you're Marshall, Tavion Kinsey found a groove, nearly had 30, an efficient 30, too. So he got yeah. seemed to get back on track and had a good game against Rice, too. But tough result, and again, these teams moved forward and moved on. But this was a good win, especially on the road for North Texas. Uh, it's about uh, Old Dominion UTSA. Uh, UTSA, the struggle remains at 0-4 and four in conference play. Old Dominion. They're two and zero in the East Division. Old Dominion defeated UTSA 83 to 51. Andrew, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, really balanced effort here from uh, Old Dominion. First half was a close game. It was a 12-point game uh, at the break, but 50 points put up by Old Dominion in this second half allowed the Monarchs to kind of pull away and get this victory. And again, last year we had mentioned a lot about Azibke and Trice and their ability to score inside, but now. Uh, you can compare that, or you not compare it, but you can complement those interior scores uh, back to the basket scores with now perimeter shooters. And, and Jalen Hunter had a good game, four threes. He had 16 points. C.J. Kaiser had 16 points. So you're getting you're getting some complementary scoring behind yeah. those guys. And C.J. Kaiser is a guy uh, that comes over, played at Wichita State for two years, then transferred to North Carolina Central, and now is using this COVID year. Uh, as a, I guess, a graduate student um, with Old Dominion this year. And he's played some really good basketball, especially in this one, 7-12, 16 points. So if you can continue to get good balanced effort like this, this Old Dominion team is going to be tough to handle because we know what Trice and Azipke are capable of. Inside UTSA, again, when you lose Jackson and Wallace, it's going to be tough. We're going to talk about this a lot throughout the next couple of months it's going to be hard to score consistently and when your leading score comes off the bench not going to probably work out for you I mean Crumble's a good player but uh, just not enough in Did terms of, of the starting too. yeah he, took, he, had, he had the most on the team because he was playing well but when you get a combined 26 of your 51 from the starters only 26 points yeah. from your starting five that's not going to win you many games no uh, just UTSA and we, we talked about in the previous and I, and I thought they were going to be at the bottom, and that's where they are right now. Yeah, we'll move on here. Uh, Louisiana Tech and another blowout victory here. This one over Southern Miss, 80-57. It was a seven-point game at halftime, but again, another strong second half here, this time by Louisiana Tech. Gets them to 5-0 and in conference play. Well, this was my sweep of the week, and, and glad to say the first one, and I, and I get the right to the broom for the week with uh, the with Louisiana Tech going going. Going uh, defeating Southern Miss, you know you talk about Willis the guard, twenty one, you know twenty one points. Yeah. Again, you talk about a seven point game at halftime, and then Louisiana Tech kind of late. I think that's kind of a lesson to the entire conference. Like you could be very close at halftime, but Louisiana Tech's a very strong team in the final twenty minutes, and then close out a ball game. And so, talk about when they take on UAB this weekend, very big game in that West Division. They're gonna see they're gonna see them twice though, but still. 
ultimately important if UAB were to get ahead by a good Baker's dozen. You know, La Tech can still is a good second half team they can come back from it. So you talk about Southern Miss and just how Southern Miss played. You know, they 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 had consistent scoring throughout. You know, Pierre Jr. got twelve off the bench, where they had two they had two guys in the lineup go double digits in Pickney and Stevenson. So they had contributors from both the starters and the bench. And then you look at Louisiana Tech. You know, Willis another great game, twenty one points. Williams twelve. Derek Green the sixth man, seventeen. So th- this was. Both these teams have a lot of offensive contributions, and they're both on the bench and starting lineup, which is ideally what you want. You know, you don't want to have it be one person. You want to have multiple guys, and it's even better if you have multiple guys who can do it in the lineup and on the bench. Yeah, I just want to touch on one player in this game, particularly uh, Keystone Willis. You mentioned his good performance at 21, 8 of 16 shooting. This is a guy transfers over from Incarnate Word, where he averaged about 19 a game last season, so... Uh, Coach Conkle kind of knew what he was getting in Keaston Willis, a score that will shoot a lot a little bit at times. He's, he'll shoot a lot, uh, but so the percentages kind of are lower uh, yeah, when you look his, at his numbers. His points for games down by eight. But he's a good three-point yeah. shooter, 36% for the most part consistently throughout Now this now being his third year at the college level. He brings this team a dynamic scoring threat because I think in the years past what's held Louisiana Tech back is just a guy to make plays and consistently make shots on the outside at the guard position. We know what Kenneth Lofton can do inside as the center, and he didn't do much in this game, but they didn't really need him to because they were shooting it well uh, from the outside. So I think Keaston Willis, he's an X factor for Louisiana Tech moving forward in this season. He plays well and shoots the ball well. It's going to be create an, a disadvantage for teams because they have to worry about now the inside play of Lofton and the outside threat of Willis. Let's go to the next game on Thursday. East Division battle between Middle Tennessee and Florida Atlantic. Middle Tennessee 70, Florida Atlantic 57. Andrew, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, a tough result here for FA. You shot it really poorly and, in fact, only took 44 shots. And you compare that to the 65 Middle Tennessee State shots. So that's 21 shots that the Blue Raiders took more than the Owls. And kind of a large part of it, 19 FAU turnovers, but they only went 5 of 21 from 3. 36% from the field. Did get a lot of free throws. In fact, 20 of the 57 came from the line. So just a, a poor shooting effort in this one for FAU. And that was kind of why Middle Tennessee State controlled this one. But a growing theme for this Blue Raiders team, their defense has been spectacular. We'll talk about it on yeah, Saturday. And we won't spoil it. But uh, 57 given up here. On average, they're giving up about 64 a night. This is a defense that has gotten this team now double-digit wins, 10-6 and six officially. We'll talk about the win Saturday, too, but this is a good basketball team. Josh Jefferson had a good game. He had 19. Another roster, too, where they've got a bunch of different guys that can kind of go get you 15 to 20 points a night, so you don't really know. You're not really sure who's going to score on a consistent basis for this team, but it's definitely dangerous when you've got a defense that will play this hard and this consistent throughout. This is a good win. Yeah, and when we get to Saturday, there's a bunch of points I want to bring about Saturday. Let's get to – are you supposed to ask me about UTEP no, and no, Charlotte? No, you're good. You have Charlotte 66-53 for UTEP, 13-point win for the 49ers in a comeback game. They hadn't played in over a month, but they get a good victory here. Yeah, that's what I figured, you know, and I said it on Wednesday night. I thought they were going to be eager, ready to go, and and they were. I mean, you know, kind of got off to a bit of a slow start, 29-32, but then outscored UTEP by 10. And you talk about Young, the Ohio State transfer, you know, when the transfer portal game, you know, he came out, from, comes from Ohio State, the Buckeyes, he gets 17, Biennium for UTEP gets 21. 
but you know, uh, as of Thursday, Joe Golding had, had a squad at about eight and eight, and Charlotte eight and five. But you know, the, not not a lot of scoring. You know, in this game, at least you look at the stats right. Bienemy twenty one bomb. 14 and everybody else did in single digits, but for Charlotte, you got four of the top five, four of your five starters in double digits. Roswell, Threadgill, Young, and Butler, double digits, and you got one guy off the bench in Jallet in, in, in double digits. They, they have a lot of contributors on offense. That's I think that'll be very good for Charlotte as they get later in the season, having a lot of options. I think the only person who scored in single digits was the center, Khalifa, only yep. two, but everybody else double digits. That's a huge advantage for a team like Charlotte because that it may. It's very challenging for defenses when you have to guard any any of your five guys. You can go double digits. And on the flip side, yeah, and on the flip side, UTEP only two main score. Yeah, they scored the fifty three, but the enemy idea. and Boom had thirty five of the fifty three. That's the only thing I'll mention in this one. Uh, you just gotta have somebody else making plays, whether that's Verhoven inside. He's been there for a, a couple of years now, or somebody off the bench, whether it's Hollins or Clardy. Somebody's gotta step up and make more plays because if you've only got about two guys and those guys are having an off night. Might be hard to win. Let's go to Alabama. U, uh, FIU taking on UAB. FIU, we won't spoil it, but they, they had a weekend in the 50s. Uh, but UAB defeats FIU 84-56. Your thoughts on this one? Yeah, another game in Conference USA, and this is kind of a growing theme now as we continue to talk about these games. First half was close. Four-point game. The Panthers are just down four on the road at UAB, but a strong second half. Uh, by the Blazers, 46 to 22. Good offense led to good, or good defense led to good offense in this win for UAB. Jordan Walker had a good day, 20 points, six of 14 uh, from three-point range. Buffin, the Ole Miss transfer, had a double-double inside next to Trey Jemison, uh, who had five and seven. Taven Lovin had a good uh, evening as well. He had he pitched in 12 for the Blazers. This is a good win. Again, this is a defensive team, too. When they get after it, as they did, especially in the second half, it's going to be hard to beat this UAB team. And again, they've got a bunch of different guys. They, they run about an eight-man rotation, but all eight guys at any time are going to be able to put the ball in the basket because they probably have the sixth man of the year on this team. Michael Ordle is a tough scorer. He only had 10 points in 15 minutes in this game, but he can consistently get it done. In fact, this is his fifth year in college, and he's averaged double figures in all five years he's averaging 9.8 so he's close again to averaging another uh, double figure performance to his stat line but again he creates another problem off the bench the deep UAB team quality win against an FIU team that put up a good fight but sometimes when you run into a team like this especially on the road and you go cold from the field and only shoot 23 percent from three it's going to be hard to win but I take more into UAB's second half performance a strong defensive performance really frustrated FIU yeah and I agree with you talk about UAB at the top uh, you know in second in, in the west and you, you know you look at the scoring Brewer 17 you know he's the leading scorer he averages 15 points a game for, for FIU but they also Jones uh, Jones come off the bench for, for the Panthers he got 17 as well Denver Jones he gets 17 yep. points so yeah, you, know, you, you, you had your two leading scorers, one starting one on the bench, but then you look at the rest of the starting lineup, single digits. So, you know, they're kind of consolidated with very few scores. And then, you know, you look at UAB, it looks like everybody got some love, but they brought a lot more players in, you know. Had a couple guys in single digits, to beat up about Walker, Lovin, K.J. Buffin, you know, double digits guys, and, and that kind of can really help your offense out. Final game from the Thursday slate before we take a break. Western Kentucky 80-66 to at home 
over the Rice Owls. And again, listen to this before I give you yep. uh, your thought or get your thoughts here, Justin. 42-40. Rice was winning at the half, but Western Kentucky 40 to 24 in the second half. Thoughts on this one? Yeah, you know, one of the things I, I was going to bring up about Rice is, you know, you look at their play. They had a lot of single-digit scores, and, and when you talk about the, your guards, your guards are supposed to be your best shooters on the court. You know, Carl Pierre, he only gets three points on the night. He gets three personal fouls as well. But so you got to consider foul trouble might have played a role in it. But also, talk about Fram- Frampton for West Kentucky only gets two points. Your guards should be generating you more offense. And, and they might be in a very potent system in West Kentucky. I think it's one of the strongest teams in the conference. So they have a lot of mouths to feed. But your starting guards should be getting you double digits a minimum a night. And... You know, talk about Rice, and we'll talk about Rice's video game numbers on Saturday with the three-point shooting. A lot different against Western Kentucky than it was at Marshall. It was 29.6 against Rice, which seemed uncharacteristically of them. And then you compare to what compared to what we saw in person on Saturday night. All right, we'll take a break. That was the Thursday slate. We'll come back talk about the weekend slate and then um, get you set for another week of Conference USA basketball. You're listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. If you remember poodle skirts, mini skirts, or bell bottoms, you're just the right age. Whether you listen to Bing Crosby or Chuck Berry. Or the Beach Boys, the Bee Gees, or the Beatles. We need your help. Even if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, or beyond, you too can register to become an organ and tissue donor. Surprised? You shouldn't be. Any age is the right age to donate the gift of life. And the need is great. Today, thousands of people are waiting for a transplant. But only one in three of us over the age of 50 is a registered organ donor. If we all registered, imagine how many lives we could save. How many families we could help. So whether you remember the first step on the moon or the last step of the hustle. Take an important step today and learn more. Get the facts. Register to become an organ and tissue donor. Find out how at organdonor.gov or call 1-866-99-DONATE. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. This is former Marshall pitcher Jordan Dixon. Razio calling for it on the run, makes the catch for the final out. Jordan Dixon gets career win number 100. And you're listening to the worldwide leader in Marshall Athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Back inside Conference USA, Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer, Ben Carrick, glad to have you with us on this Wednesday evening. To the Saturday slate, Rice took down Marshall by 10, 87 to 77. Another good game from Tavion Kinsey, 31 points, 15 Ty's of 28. High. Yeah, tied his yeah. career high. Uh, 10 assists as well and no turnovers in all 40 minutes of action. Justin, thoughts? I know you had some some uh, reactions from this one. Yeah, the Rice played video game-like numbers in shooting. I've watched college basketball for a while. I don't think I've ever seen a team shoot as well as they did. And it's funny. It's great we end it with Rice because in the last segment, because Rice got 29% on Thursday night. Two nights later, Cam Henderson said they shoot. They had 61% at halftime. And Finished night, 54. Right. At, at the end of the night, it was 60. Yeah. Th- all from three. Yeah. Three, three. Yeah. I was talking about three point shooting. That's video game like numbers. Ryan Cirk mentioned on the broadcast, that's like the takeover. I don't know what that is, but, you know, it, it, it really is. I And I think Marshall, I think that's what cost Marshall this game is went to practice on Friday. The big emphasis was three-point defense for Marshall. D'Antoni had the guys line up in three-point defense. That was the big emphasis on practice on Friday. Wasn't really working because Rice was really able to get a – it worked for the first couple minutes of the ball game, and then mm-hmm. once everybody got settled in, 
Rice was able to start taking the three ball. Carl Pierre, how about this? The two leading scores for Marshall and Rice career nights. Yep. Pierre 30, Kinsey 31, but. Let me pose this question to you. It could be interesting in case sure. and get some more understanding here. You mentioned the video game like numbers 54% for Rice from the field, 60 uh, from uh, three. Yeah, same. Is that good shooting? Is that Marshall in the right spots, do you think? Did it seem as if maybe Marshall was just not in the right spots and Rice seemed to be open and open? Or is that good defense but better offense? Yeah, I think in the first couple minutes it was better defense. And I think they I think they started out with good defensive alignment. But I think as the night went on and D'Antoni was making – they were making adjustments. I think Rice had better coaching adjustments, to be honest with you. I think they adjusted better to Marshall. They were able to get the guys a little more spread out to start draining the three ball. And I think that was part of it. I think it was, it was Scott Parrott was a better coach than Dan D'Antoni was on Saturday, in my opinion. I, I don't think D'Antoni made as many adjustments as he should have been making. But but D'Antoni brought it up in his Tuesday press. He's like, you know, we're shooting the two ball very well. Like they're getting the ball, they've now they're shooting the ball inside the paint well. They're just not shooting the three ball. So. But, uh, yeah, this is interesting. But Marshall, though, abysmal number, 19.4%. And for a team that relies on the bread and butter being the three-point shot, they they can't even play their normal offense because they're not even producing numbers to keep them in the games. Well, here's the thing, too. Uh, You mentioned and you said a team that relies on the three ball. Why do they rely on the three ball if they're not good at shooting the three ball? I mean, we're talking about a team that is shooting 27% as a team on average. So is that really the bread and butter? That's the bread and butter of Coach D'Antoni's offense and what's worked in years past. Well, I think they're not adjusting they, to it. Yeah, they're maybe not adjusting to it, and the players aren't realizing. I mean, again, if they can't shoot, they're going to try to go inside. But eventually that system and the way they play mu- needs shots to go down in order for you to have success because you want to get up and down the floor, a lot of possessions, up-tempo yep. games. So if you're going to play that way, you got to make shots, and this team's not making shots. So is it really Marshall's bread and butter, though, if they're not making shots? It throws them out of their system. They get behind early in this game again as well, fell behind and had a double-digit deficit at half. So, again, is it the bread and butter? I mean, I understand – what you're saying there, but if the numbers aren't following, I mean, Obina's the only guy over 30% that's well, taken more than 10 threes. But, there's, but here's the thing with D'Antoni. I went to practice on Monday, you know, after the the starter bench scrimmage. It was a three-point contest. You know, they had the starters line up on one team with Jeremy Dillon, and all the bench guys were on the second team, and they were just shooting three balls. So I think D'Antoni's still trying to force the three-point up-tempo offense if the last five minute, five to ten minutes of practice is a three point contest, yep. they're not making the they're not making the adjustments towards the player. It's hard to simulate, and he's he's mentioned it a few times. They shoot yep. well in practice, but they it's do. hard to simulate it because when you get up and down like that, it's different. I mean, standing still shots and warm ups, anybody can kind of make those. I can go out there and well, that go Cornel- five of ten. Well, they have like the little Cornelius Jackson is the guard coach. He kind of had brought out the little, I don't know what you call it, like the little. It's like a little cylinder, like a little punchy defender thingy uh like they're bringing those stuff out to kind of get him comfortable with shots protected but i mean part of me thinks that the players are just not adapting to the system and i think as a coach you have to then look at yourself being like the guys are not it's not it, it, or the players don't fit the system right and then that comes out of the coach because yeah. who brings the players in 
the coach. And now that, now Dan Terry's out by yesterday, hey, we got to move David Early to more of a point guard position. So we'll see. I, I think they got to start making changes in the lineup, though. They got to figure something out with to get off that quick start. With I'll hit on that in my game picks. All right, let's get to the next game on on Saturday. Uh, let's go to once again UT, UTSA Charlotte. Charlotte picks up the second win of the weekend. That uh, 62-53 against UTSA. Andrew, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, kind of an ugly, scrappy basketball game. Neither team shot well over 35% from the field or from three. UTSA, two three-pointers in 16 tries, shot 29% from the field in this game. Jameer Young had the best game of anybody on the floor, 15 points, but didn't shoot it well, four, thir- four of 13 and had six rebounds. So this was kind of just an ugly defensive basketball game, kind of what UTSA needs some of their games to play as in order to have success, a defensive uh, grinded-out game just because of this team's struggles on the offensive floor early in conference play now. Uh, but a good win for Charlotte. You have to defend home court in conference play, and the 49ers do it, especially because, again, had the pause, they're back, yeah. had two games at home, got well, both at three. home. No, they had they went on the road for the Monday game, oh, but yeah, the two right. games at home they got, oh, yep. and you needed those just to build some confidence, get your feet back into the basketball game, and, and figure things out. This is a good win for Charlotte, an ugly win, but a good win. Yeah, you talk about a win's a win. You know, Young fifteen, Tucker ten, but three point shooting. Let's get into that. UTSA twelve point five. You talk about abysmal. That that you know that, that that's just got awful. And then Charlotte thirty two. At least that's average. But you know Charlotte, but. We'll talk about Charlotte again in a little bit with uh, with their Monday Monday Fun Day game. All right, let's get to it. North Texas and Western Kentucky, and North Texas played a little different than they 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 upset Western. Yeah, you know, they they beat them 65, 60. Andrew, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, and again, Thomas Bell is the leading scorer in this basketball game. North Texas will rotate seven guys in and out of the lineup, but any given night, any of those seven could be the leading scorer. He had 17, 7 of 13 from the field, made three three-pointers. That was more than Western Kentucky. And one thing that goes not talked about often with this mean green defense is their three-point field goal defense, the best in Conference USA at defending the three, Church, and it the, showed. Yeah. Western Kentucky, 2 of 12 from three. Now, they only took 12, but North Texas's defense was aligned to not allow too many three-point attempts because we're talking about Cameron Justice, who is going to shoot a lot, one of five from three. Frampton's known for his three-point shooting ability. He was one for one. He took one three-point shot. Think about that. He's got to be – he's looking for his shot probably, but that's a credit to the North Texas defense limiting what makes Western Kentucky a good basketball team at times. Now they have the guys inside. Hamilton and Sharp can score it inside, but this is a team that shoots about 34 to 35% from three, and they didn't get many looks, and when they did – they probably weren't good looks in the stats fall. This is another great win for North Texas to go on the road, maybe against the best team in the East Division, to get a win on their home court. Quality win. Davion McKnight, good game for Western Kentucky when it was needed, 23 points. Didn't have much help around him. Sharp had 13 on 4 of 4 shooting, but Hamilton, Anderson, Frampton, Justice, nobody else really did anything. Uh, and again, I'm going to credit this one to a North Texas defense that just made things difficult and threw the Hilltoppers out of swords. Yeah, double Jermaine Sharp, five five blocks. And how about this? If the way the block standings are right now, March 5th, and I believe it'll be March 5th, the last game, but Marshall and Western, 
Could decide the blocks, leading, champion. Top top two leading blockers in the country, the big O and, and the big sharp. Come one, come all. Who blocks the other more? <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll be, that'll be entertaining. They can catch the home game right here on MUO. Yeah. UAB, FAU, 76-65 Blazers victory. They get two wins this week. And how about this number for you? 56 of the 76 for the Blazers came from Jordan Walker and Quan Jackson. They almost, the duo had more points than FAU. Another good win here for the Blazers. Close game at half. It was tied at half, but UAB pulls away in the second half for a good home win. Yeah, they got one-two punch, Walker and, and Jackson, and that's pretty good. You got, you got two strong guards, and so, you know, very good for, for UAB. And you, and you look at FAU, and we'll talk about the other Florida team that struggled a on that but before we do that we're gonna pause 10 seconds for stations to identify themselves you're listening to inside conference usa on the cutting edge sports radio network your home for award-winning coverage of marshall athletics is right here on wmul fm huntington wfgh fm fort gay and wthm lp ravenswood west virginia welcome back inside conference usa justin zimmer ben cow behind the glass andrew andrew rogers here as always on, on your wednesday night as andrew's waving <laughs> You having fun, Andrew? Always. Okay, let's get to the let's get to the next game on, on the slate. This is the game I really want to talk about. Why? Because there was a lot of points. No, yeah, th- yeah, that too. FIU averages seventy-one points a night. All right, seventy-one points a night. In this game, thirty-nine. All right, Middle Tennessee fifty, FIU thirty-nine. Andrew, I'll give you first crack at this before I start going on a little. Yeah, Middle Tennessee State. I mean, this is a good team. I mean, we're talking about a, well, an improved. A good team. We're I... talking about an improved team that's playing quality defense, and the way their style kind of plays. And I want to pull up their tempo here on Ken Palm. The Ken Palm goes through and adjusted tempo. They're only 80th in adjusted tempo. That's possessions per game. North Texas is one of the slower teams on that statistic, but Middle Tennessee State's kind of in the top 30 percent of faster teams. So it's not really as if they're playing a slower pace. But it's just more of the fact that they run the shot clock down, try to get the best shot, uh, and then kind of go from there. And this is a team, Middle Tennessee State, luckily the defense showed up and made things hard on FIU because the Blue Raiders turned it over 18 times. So they got 10 less shots than FIU in this basketball game. But it didn't matter because the Panthers didn't graze 40. This is a good defensive performance. And I think it has something to do with FIU this team offensively can be challenged at times because this is, again, another team that doesn't really have a consistent go-to score. I think Tevin Brewer can be that guy, but when he goes 2-4-12 for five points, that's going to create a problem because then others around him are going to think, okay, I've got to step up in his absence because he's struggling not having a good game and nobody else really did step up. So FIU's a close. They're close. This team's very yeah. close, I think, from being really competitive because they played two close games this week. Or not not this week, but they had played some games in the past leading up to this weekend's Old, Dom- games Old Dominion. I that that a- gave a- you a, a- 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 a good idea. They're there. They're Bethune close. Cookman, 68-65. They're yeah. close, but offensively they got to figure things out moving forward. Middle, I like the defensive performance. This is going to be a dangerous team. Uh, I was going to mention that uh, FIU had a football score, but then I thought about FIU's football program for a second. Clever so. thought. <laughs> Clever thought. <laughs> Only 39 in a basketball game? What? What's going on? What are we doing over oh, there? Oh, no. Justin, go ahead. 
I'll just say this. I got a very energetic head football coach, Mike McIntyre. Would not stand behind the podium at his press conference. Where did he come from? Uh, Mem- I believe Memphis. Memphis. That sounds right. Yeah. No, but, no longer Butch Davis time. No. Uh, but anyway, talk about uh, this game here. I'm concerned. About with, what? About about the la- about the offensive production this week. Yep. 56-39. For a team that averages 71 points a night. They're going to be offensively challenged throughout yep. the year. I agree. Uh, and, I, and I worry about that because you got Marshall coming in. You got the battle for the two worst teams in the East this weekend, and you're going to see them twice. So Could be the first one to 60. Yeah, I, I think it could be. I, I think this is going to be a very interesting game tomorrow night. Final uh, game, Justin, here on the s- Saturday slate. UTEP takes down Old Dominion a final game in overtime. Yeah, an eight-point win in overtime for the Miners. In fact, it was tied at the end of the first half, and it was tied at the end of the <laughs> second, second half. half. You don't see that often, no. but it was, and Solly Boom powers the Miners to a road victory over the Monarchs, 78-70. to 70. Justin, thoughts on this one? Sully Boom, you mentioned that we talked about him back in our season preview. You know, he's one of the he's one of the star players for Joe Golding in that, in that UTEP squad. Uh, Joe Golding, if those who don't listen, comes from Abilene Christian. You know, Sully Boom, 28 points, but, you know, good win. I mean, you know, 11 points by Sylvie. The enemy, 14. You know, they got a lot of double-digit scores. No double-digit on the bench, but then, you know, mention it. You know, Old Dominion got a lot of... Got a lot of double digit scores there. Trice, Hunter, Kaiser, Ezekpe. So they you know they got double digit scores in their starting lineup and off the bench. So this will be fun to watch Old Dominion. They got a lot of vibrant scores. I got a lot of respect for Jeff Jones. He's a phenomenal coach. So I think the Monarchs are, will be cooking this year. I think they got a good team. Just a quick thought on the Monarchs here. Uh, one of fifteen from three. That's got to improve, and I think that's a big reason why maybe they'd make one or two more three-point shots. Yeah, this team goes 7. in a different direction, but one of 15 is not going to get it done. But 35 of 47 from the free-throw line. I'm going to put Ben to the test here. Tell me what the tell me what the most free-throws in a college basketball game is. Give us that answer in five minutes if you can figure it out. Oh. I want you to look it up. I don't expect anybody to know that, but 47 yeah, I, I know it off the throw. top of my head. All right, go ahead. No, I don't. That's a lot. <laughs> 47 free throw attempts. They made 35 the of most. them. But that is a lot of free throws, and I think that's also what kept this Old Dominion team in this basketball game, the ability to get to the free throw line when the shots weren't falling. You mentioned Solly Boom. Not only did he score 28, but he had six steals. Yeah. So he was an impact player on both ends. Well, Sunday- turnovers. Old Dominion 15, UTEP 4. I've watched Jeff. 4. I- I've that's wa- impressive. 45 I, uh, minutes a game, too. I've watched I watched Jeff Jones at American when he was when he was with the Eagles. He's a phenomenal head coach. That, that turnover thing will get fixed. I, I like um, I think I like Ultimate because it's, I, I'm Jeff Jones at, at AU, but he'll clean that up. He's a good coach. Two games left, and we'll just kind of combine them here. Sunday it was La Tech seventy six, Southern Miss sixty two well, at you about. Southern Miss. It was gonna be it was a closer game. Uh, La Tech was only up four and a half, pulls away second half to get the victory over the Golden Eagles. And then Monday's game, a little Monday afternoon, Martin Luther King basketball action. FAU won by 30. Yeah. 29 to be exact, but 96-67. And how about the turnaround for FAU, though, in between games? 65 against UAB, struggled to score the basketball at times. How about 31 more points two days later, or four days later? Yeah, I was disappointed. I was watching this game, and I I was like, watch a little bit while I was at practice, but watching them at practice but you know Jameer Young I thought he has conference USA breakout party you know the big the big 10 transfer from the Buckeyes you know he gets 30 Martin gets 20 you know I think but you look at three point shooting since that's been the theme of the night Charlotte 
76.1. You look at FAU, 76.2. Video, video game numbers, I know. And then you look at uh, turnovers, 11 to 8. You know, sure, FAU, phenomenal game. Phenomenal performance. And lot tech. I, I, I got to brag about my sweep of the week. Go for it. I, I told you this game was going to be closer on Sunday. Southern Miss, great adjustments. Latek way too way way too powerful though. How about this week? I mean, we've talked about some abysmal three point shooting numbers, and FAU on Monday afternoon went sixteen of twenty one. <laughs> I mean, think of that seventy six percent. That Happy teams holidays. don't even shoot that from the field, no. but the Owls got that from Video three. Video numbers. We'll take a break. On the other side, we'll have our talk about the upcoming week of Conference USA basketball as well as the record for most free throws in a game since Old Dominion had 47. Maybe they are the record holder for most free throws in a game. But all that and more next on Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Oven mitts. Safe and effective. Okay. Mouth guards. Safe and effective. Hmm. Bungee cords. Oh, usually safe and effective. I've got it. Generic drugs. Definitely safe and effective. Really? Yep. Generic drugs, huh? Yep. But are they... Ah, completely approved by FDA. Is that so? It is the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Some kind of review? They check everything. Performance, quality... But what about... Manufacturing, labeling... Everything, huh? Tough, multi-step review process, my friend. All approved. By FDA. FDA. Safe and effective. Hmm. How about shark cages? (laughs) One would hope so. To learn more about the safety and effectiveness of generic drugs in America, talk to your doctor or pharmacist. Call 1-888-INFO-FDA or visit www.fda.gov. Generic drugs. Safe. Effective. FDA approved. Brought to you by the Food and Drug Administration of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hi, this is former Marshall softball player Jordan Cauliflower, and you're listening to the worldwide leader in Marshall athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Back inside Conference USA, Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer, Ben Cowers behind the glass, keeping us on the air and online. Guess we're still trying to figure out. Maybe I found the NBA one. The record. What's the NBA record for most free throws in a game? Uh, Phoenix Suns, 30 years ago. Let's see if I can get uh, seventeen three throws by Chambers. I'm trying to see where it is now here, but it was the Phoenix Suns, and now I can't find the number. But it was the Suns has the most three throws in the game. But here we go. Let's see if I can find it. Sixty-one for eighty. NBA. Sixty-one free throws in the NBA. No, eighty. All oh, eighty. They made sixty. They made sixty-one of them. I can find most free throws made in a single March Madness game only as of 2020. It was Bob Carney and Travis Mays. Bob Carney did it for Bradley, and Travis Mays did it for Texas. That was several years back, but that's 23 by an individual. I cannot find the team number. Ben, you'd mentioned another game. Yeah, there's nothing for a single team. The most by an individual player was 30 in a game yeah, by Pete Mar- by Pete Maravich, and that was ni- in 1969. That's when that record was, uh, I mean, it happened. But uh, nothing, I can't find anything on a single game record, so that might, that game might be it, 47. You want the NCAA record, though? For what? Most free throws made. Sure. Tyler Hansborough, North oh, Carolina. 982. Yep. Yep. Look at you. Yep. Okay. I want to get to something real quick here. And this is right before we'll talk about the upcoming week, but bubble. 
UAB, and this is according to Joe Lenardi's ESPN bracketologist, he puts out a projected field twice a week. He'll update his kind of bracket, whatever you want to call it. He won't update it every day, but he'll kind of give you key games throughout the day that could maybe change the bubble status. But as of now, Conference USA is getting two bids into the 68-team field. Louisiana Tech holds the A-cube, and the way he... Uh, breaks down the automatic qualifier. He just bases it off the standings live. So Law Tech's the only undefeated team left right. in the conference. They will get to those standings here in a little bit. Uh, so they're projected to be a 13 seed. Who they and get? they would, right now, they would end up with Houston, a 4-13 matchup. But the oh, other, well, that's not the point. But the <laughs> other CUSA team here in the field, UAB, the Blazers, excuse me, they're out of the field. The updated one on Tuesday has got the Blazers the second team out. So first four out, they're the second team left out of the field. But last, as of Saturday, they were in the field. So it's, it, there's a bubble case there for UAB. Thoughts on the Blazers? Uh, it, I, I, when I look at the bubble, I, I think the committee – I think it's really going to come down to how the Big 12 shapes out. Because I think the Big 12 is very strong in basketball – the Big Ten's pretty strong. I think it depends on the Power Five, just how that goes out. But I'll say this about UAB: I think they had they had, they had a pretty good non-conference schedule, and I think you know that kind of I don't. I think here's the issue with the committee: I think they will kind of favor the Power Five bubble team versus a tiny conference USA school. So I, with that, I say they're out. But NIT bound, I think they could be in the NIT. I, you know, you look at West Virginia; they're not even ranked. Andrew, I hate to break up the loss last mm-hmm. night, but but thirteen and four, they're going to get more of a. They're going to get over. In in them in, in the tournament, UAB played some close games. South Carolina lost by three, SEC team, and then you get into December, which is, which when they played West Virginia. I'm trying to pull up the score of that game. I don't remember off the top of my head. It was 65-59 Blazers lost. So they play in West Virginia right now, 13-4 and in the Big 12, one of the toughest conferences in college basketball. That loss looks pretty good. So No loss looks pretty good. No, but I'm just saying, like, with regards to the committee. I understand. I was just giving you Yeah, no, I know. Um, So you don't like UAB? You don't like Conference USA's bubble status of maybe getting two in? I don't. Because I think what will happen is they're going to play politics. They're going to take a Big 12 team. You have a Michigan who's on the bubble. Well, let's see what ha- if Jawan Howard can turn it around. I just look at the tournament. I, I think there are a lot of strong teams this year in the Power 5 that would supersede a UAB. The ACC is down this year, and they're only projected to get about four to five teams, and they got a lot of bubble teams, though, so well, they Duke's, could cause Duke's havoc. Duke's still on top. Yeah, Duke. So, but besides Duke, North Carolina's not been great. Miami's come well, on well, a North little Carolina bit. North Carolina's new head coach, though. Yeah, but still, you know, the Blue Blood, you're expecting them to have a good season. So the ACC's got a lot of bubble teams that could play a factor in it. And let's keep in mind, if UAB would win the tournament, I don't think anybody in the you know, house has an opportunity from Conference USA to get a bid. So this is pending. UAB wouldn't go win the conference, but... Again, looking at this resume, the Blazers have a case, I think. Their net rating is 41. They've got two wins against quad one teams, which means more the upper echelon teams in terms of your efficiency and net efficiency and that sort of thing. Let me, let me ask you this. You're two and one. You have none against quad two, but you do have one loss 
in a quad three game. So there's the case to be made there. Is the net rating going to be high enough when it comes down to it? Because that is a factor uh, in the tournament. I'm looking at the bracket that you're looking at right now, the, the Lenardi. You're taking Florida State out? You, Florida State? Not now. Not after their win against Duke, I think right. they get elevated. But right. somebody, there's going to be teams on this list that could fall All right. simply quick. All right, give me one that can fall quick. Let I, me pull I, it back up. I don't. I didn't have it. Uh, well, let me get Ben Cowher into this while, while you pull it up. Ben, whose side are you on? Are you on? Are you on the side like me, saying conference USA no chance? There's going to be a lot of top competition. You're on team manager here, which is more teams are going to fall out and UAB can sneak in. Yeah, I mean, it's March Madness for a reason. Anything can happen. Anybody can make a run at the right time. All right, let me post looking you at these. Yeah, looking at these teams, and let me answer your initial question here. Okay. There's some good teams on this bubble. I mean, I TCU has played some good basketball. They're 12 and 2. Florida good. and Oregon are coming on more so. Oregon, Mississippi State, I think, is a team that could drop in a strong SEC. West Coast Conference is going to get a bunch of bids. San Francisco and St. Mary's are up there. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, San Francisco Gonzaga. beat UAB. So that could play a factor, too, if both those teams are kind of right there It'll toward the end. Head, right. um, Creighton and Wake Forest, I think, probably are teams that get in. But And then you look at the teams that are kind of the outside looking in. Florida State just beat Duke. So when you update this list, they'll be moving up. Arkansas has always got some talent there. So, it's again, I'm not saying Conference USA is going to get multi- multiple bids. But when you look at it right now, we're in – early to mid-January, and team like UAB is getting looked at and considered because they've got a good net rating and they have a good record, quality schedule, and that sort of thing. There's talent there. I think they could make a run um, in the tournament because they're a good basketball team and they're getting looked at, but I don't know if it eventually will be enough because Conference USA maybe is a tad weaker because you already lost to Rice. Right. You drop another game against a team that is not named La Tech, North Texas, and maybe Western Kentucky, UAB might be in an interesting situation. You can't drop one to a right. UTSA, a Southern Miss. That really hurts the stock. Let me pose this one to you. All Last right. question, and we'll get yeah, to the game. Yeah, that's what I about to do. Let's say UAB wins the conference. La Tech loses. No. La Tech on the bubble? No. I don't think they'll get in. Ben? No? Okay. So Not I'll, right now. I'll, I'll, on this side, you're on my side on this about saying they can't. Conference USA will never get two teams in. It just won't happen. I don't know about that. Certain years. Anything can Certain happen. years it's capable of it. La Tech, just to follow up on what, just instead of saying no, no real quality win. Yep. Lost to Alabama by 30. Lost to NC State. And your best non-conference win is Louisiana Lafayette, who Marshall beat and who have other teams have kind of beat a team out of the Sun Belt. So La Tech Probably not going to be considered good record. Yep. I mean, fifteen and, and four is a good record. Fifteen and three is a good record, but it's not going to be NCAA worthy just because there isn't a quality win. They had a chance. They almost yep. beat LSU. Had a chance to have a good resume. Have but either, yeah, non-conference. I would consider. Um, there was one game real quick that I had looked at. Let me pull it up back here that I consider for UAB. They beat New Mexico. That's a fine win. Kept it close with yeah, South New Carolina. In the tournament on, in, according to this bracket. Yeah. yeah. Not St. Louis is a fine team. Not a great win, but a better resume for me with UAB. But let's get to the games this week. Um, we had talked about last week how we do sweep of the week. Simmer's got his broom. Uh, upset picks of the week. We'll go back at it here, Justin. Uh, actually, let's go to Ben first here. Uh, let us know how we did last week. Who got a sweep of the week? Who upset who? Who got the picks right? 
Read them off for us. Oh, okay. Um, well, it's the inverse of how the football standings ended, if that says anything. Uh, Justin is holding a broom in the studio right now. He's holding it up triumphantly. Uh, and that's because he did sweep this past week. He got everything right. Uh, he got his sweep right with uh, Louisiana Tech. And then he got his two upsets right with Charlotte on Thursday and FAU on Monday. So he has a perfect three right uh and then, just like in football, uh, I'm right in the middle. I got my sweep right because I also went with the uh, Louisiana Tech, and then I got FAU on Monday right, but I missed uh, ODU on Saturday. And then Andrew, Andrew, you you're you're the caboose right now. You got UA, UA you got UAB for your sweep right, but then you got your two upsets wrong because he said UTEP on Thursday and FAU on Saturday. I'm just enjoying sweeping Andrew right now. This is fun. Yeah, Justin. Justin's sweeping around the studio right now. He's Sweet. he's doing a little bit of spring he cleaning. He is live right here on uh, Inside Conference USA. Hey, well, you got to get back over here. Make your pick. Stop sweeping. All right, here we go. Then let's start with the sweep of the week. I'll go first. And when I'm looking at the matchups here, and obviously uh, you, you look through it. And I'm gonna go with Western Kentucky. They gotta make a road trip to Florida. They're they're travel partner with the herd, and they've got two matchups. They'll face FAU Thursday. The lines at two in favor of the Hilltoppers, and they'll tra- travel and face off against FIU that even Saturday evening to play the Panthers. Give me two wins for the Hilltoppers. A Hilltopper sweep in Florida. Ben, uh, for the sweep, I think I'm gonna go with Bryce. I mean. Rice is a is a dangerous team. I th- I think they're pretty dangerous. They they can get hot. They're cold. Uh, I like their schedule for the upcoming weekend. Uh, they play ODU first, and they're you know in Rice. And then uh, next up, they play uh, again another home game for Rice, and they're playing Charlotte. I mean, two two solid programs that they're playing. But I think I think if uh, there's going to be a team that is going to sweep the weekend, I like Rice. Andrew shaked his head no, but I'm going with Cower. Wow. Give me okay. Rice. A double sleeper. There we go. Give me Rice. Last week, last week it worked. We both chose Louisiana Tech, and we got those right. But you also. You want Rice. Justin wants Rice. We all want Rice. Is <laughs> that what you're having for dinner? <laughs> no, you, you're having Hilltoppers for dinner. You can't eat those. What? <laughs> That's cannibalism. Listen, I'm not. I'm not against those picks because we talked about it. I think maybe last week. Rice is a much better team at home. Now yeah. they beat Marshall, so that kind of maybe uh, threw things off there. But they played well, better statistically true. over the years when, well, when playing I at that home. That is true. After seeing them in person, and I want to evaluate them in person. They were phenomenal when I watched them in person. So give me Rice. All right, let's go to our upsets. And again, upset as in a team that maybe is maybe on the road. Not predicted to win. What do we got? And again, these two upsets. There's a game Sunday. It's UTSA at home to UTEP. I'd, but two I'd, upset picks. Ben, you start. Give me your first one. I was going to say, just as a preface, I dare one of you to choose uh, Southern Baptist over Southern Miss <laughs> tonight. Eight. That PM. is a non-conference matchup. Well, the, I mean, uh, that you could still count. you could still choose it. You could. You could. But I'm not going have. to choose it. Good choice. Go I, ahead. No, but uh, for my upsets i guess uh fau on thursday where fau is going to be playing western kentucky fau is down a game uh but they're at home i think they're willing to rebound they've had uh they, they've shown ability to put up a lot of points but they're very hot and cold uh i like their chances i don't know what wku is a good team and 
I think FAU, if they're going to upset, I like that one. And then on the no, flip one side at a time, that, one at a time, Ben. <laughs> okay. Slow your roll there. Yeah, I thought we were doing two. We are doing two, one at a time. Oh, we're going around yeah. the clock. Yeah, what we're going around the world. Justin has an upset pick that maybe your second one is, and then you say both, and he's like, "Oh, I don't want to have the I same one again as Ben." So one at a time here. Go I didn't for know it. we were going pick your clockwise. best one first. Go ahead, Justin. Uh, I, I was going to go southern Miss over, but I can't do that. Do what? I can't go southern Miss over southern. The game tonight. You can it. if you want. I mean, well, Southern that's not even not an, an upset. upset. They've never even. They haven't who school. That's not an upset. They right. haven't played yet this okay. year either. They're zero and zero. So, I'm gonna go with Marshall over FIU. Okay. Because here's what I'm thinking. I'm concerned about FIU's offense. They've only generated 50 points the past weekend. Against. They only generated 50 points this past week. I'm concerned about the offense. Give me Marshall. I think this game's gonna be very close though. That's an interesting pick. And we've talked about the FIU numbers uh, and looking at this game. Think about it. Marshall, during this now seven-game losing streak, has struggled to defend. North Texas was better. Marshall only gave up 69 points. But now this is a defense that struggled but gets to go and play a team that's offensively been challenged the past week, only being able to get – as many as 50 points and 56 or 39 and 56 the past two games. So a clash of bad defense, bad offense. What what do we get there? Could be interesting. I'm going to go with a Saturday game, and that's going to be. Oh, you're not doing Thursday? Huh? You're not doing Thursday game? Well, you don't know his second pick. You don't know my second pick. Okay. He's, got, more another, confident he's, listen, he's pick. got another rabbit in the hat. Yeah. I'm going with Charlotte over Rice. Give me the 49ers on the road with the victory. I think Charlotte, they play North Texas Thursday. I don't expect them to win that one, but I think they get a CUSA road sweep or a split, I should say, a split for the 49ers. I think they go to Rice and cause havoc. Jameer Young's a good scorer, and he's been doing that in Conference USA for several years now. He's averaging his most points per game up to 20 now as a junior. Uh, The guard for Maryland is a tough player to handle. I think if... Charlotte defensively is able to handle a good shooting race team. The 49ers will leave, and the Niners have some good defense uh, capable in them, especially being able to come back. They played three games. They won two of them, so they're back. They've got their feet under them again. I'll take Charlotte over Rice. Justin, start us off for your second upset pick right. of the week. Oh, now we're going counterclockwise. We are. Right. Oh, go Justin, me, you. There's no rhyme or rhythm. No, you just yeah. don't know sometimes. <laughs> All right, on Saturday, I'm going to – I'm at, if, if this was football, I think this would be our game of the week. UAB Louisiana Tech. I don't think that's an upset pick, so I'm not going to let you take that one. Oh, okay. Justin wants another second, so I will wow. go ahead and make my pick. Boom. you got to understand here, gentlemen, that's a pick game. Anybody can win that game. So maybe we could throw it. We could throw that one into grabs. Do, do well, we... I mean, UAB has one more loss than Louisiana Tech. It's not a, it's not a perfect matchup. Not a per- but it's very darn close. So, Justin, I'll... Well, technically, UAB is the underdog going into that game. Yeah, and they're on the road. Go for it. All right, I'm gonna go uh, La Tech. Okay, I'm going the flip side. That was and the reason why okay, I was arguing for it because I made that pick. That's fair already. But I'm saying UAB wins that game. I like uh, UAB. Well, upset on the road. This game will be overtime. I Justin don't know likes about that. La Tech in overtime. You, ben likes him in regulate. Ben likes UAB in regulation. I don't know if it's gonna go to. I don't know if it's gonna go to overtime or stay in regulation. I just like UAB. Upset pick. I'm going to go with a matchup on Sunday. 
UTSA, UTEP, give me the Roadrunners over the Miners. Really? I think we've got really? an upset brewing there. Um, UTSA is going to win a conference game, right? They're not going to go over. We don't. We rarely see that. They're going to get one. They're I mean, it's, get this it's one right possible. Here. They got Sally Boom coming though. Sally Boom had a phenomenal. But you never know when you get those Texas yeah. schools. They know each other well. They're going to play Thursday at UTEP. UTEP's going to win the Thursday game, but. Steve Henson's going to make adjustments. Give me the Roadrunners. Upset Sunday afternoon when NFL football in the playoffs is going on. You know America is going to be tuned into that UTEP <laughs> Roadrunners, oh. that UTEP versus UTS. You want it on the uh, LaTeX UAB sweepstakes? No. Okay. Actually, no, you don't? This is uh, it's not, fun. For, not for picking reasons, but I'll go UAB. Hey, Charlotte. Let's go through the the standings. We didn't okay. do that earlier, so we'll wrap up with the standings. East Division two and one is Charlotte and Old Dominion. So nobody's undefeated in the East Division. It's a cluster of in the East Division two and one Charlotte Everybody two and one Old two Dominion. And a half, yeah, it's a close division though. Two 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 and two Middle two and two Western two and two Florida Atlantic, and then FIU and Marshall meet Thursday to battle for uh, last place in the East Division right now. Both zero and four. Then in the West Division, La Tech, UAB, UAB one game back, North Texas one and a half game back, Rice at 2.5, UTEP 3.5, Southern Miss four games back, and then UTSA winless five and a half. So any final thoughts there? Yeah, the, the West Division now suddenly maybe has Rice sneaking up to compete with the North Texas, UAB, La Tech. We know those three teams – and we're going to be at the top. And they see each other twice yeah. this year. We knew those those three would be competitive and would be right there at the top of the West, but now Rice is coming into the conversation as maybe one of those. They can threaten one of those top three spots because of the play at the outs. It'll end up coming down to head-to-head, and you mentioned everybody's going to play twice there. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that fares. But the Rice Sounds are competing in a tough West division. In fact, I think there's four better teams in the West then yep. there is two better in the East. That's my final thought. I just hope we're not talking about abysmal three-point shooting next week. We might. Yeah. You never know. Once That'll wrap up Inside Conference USA this evening. For Ben Cower, Justin Zimmer, I'm Andrew Rogers. Sports Buzz is next. You'll hear these three voices again, as well as next Wednesday at 530. Bye. Thank you for listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Tune in again next Wednesday at 5.30 for another episode. You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network.